Welcome to Mission Uplift. I am your host, Jen, and I am so grateful you've taken the time to stop by today. It is a great blessing to share today's interview with Gerard Long. He shares a story of great suffering and simultaneously a story of great grace. Gerard Long is an author and pastor who had a 30-year career in banking and was the national director of Alpha USA for seven years, which is where I had the opportunity to meet him. He is now the founder and president of a nonprofit corporation, Awakening to God Ministries. In 2019, Gerard experienced a cardiac arrest and was pronounced dead twice within the span of 30 minutes. After coming back to life and recognizing the miracle he'd experienced, Gerard asked the question, why am I still here? He sensed a divine calling to write his latest book, Living Hope, and to share the treasures he discovered during a time of catastrophic suffering, including the suicide of his beloved son and, eight years later, the tragic death of his beautiful daughter. Gerard and his wife, Jeannie, recently moved from Malibu, California, back to the UK to care for Jeannie's 90-year-old mother. I pray the Lord ministers to you and strengthens your faith through this powerful testimony of God's grace. Check out Uplifting Faith with Gerard Long. I am absolutely overjoyed to introduce today's guest to you. Gerard Long, who is an author and a pastor and someone who I had the privilege of getting to know for a short time, probably about 13 years ago when I worked with him at Alpha USA. And it has been a joy to reconnect and thankful, Gerard, that you're here today. Welcome. Welcome to the Mission Uplift podcast. Hi, Jen. Well, it's a great privilege and an honor to be with you. So thank you for having me on on your podcast. And uh, I look forward to, to our chat. Absolutely. Well, Gerard, tell us a little bit about yourself as we, as we jump in. Yes, of course. So you can tell from my accent, I'm, I'm actually a Brit. I was born in London in 1957. Yes, I'm quite ancient. <laughs> um, grew up in a strong Christian home. My roots, Christian roots go back to the Huguenots, which are 17th century Christians who persecuted in France and they, they fled from France. Some of them ended up in, in England and both my mother and my father's side traced their roots back to the Huguenots. And so I drew, grew up in a very strong Christian family, came to faith in Christ as a, I think I was about five years old. And it was a genuine prayer asking Jesus to forgive my sins, come and live my life and be my good shepherd, lead me forward. And I went through the normal things that Christian home. We, we were brought up on Bible stories. My father started off the day with a, a reading around the, around the breakfast table and, and stories there and um, went to camp, Christian camps and different things, Bible studies and everything else. But I have to say in my, in my mid-teens, um, I came to realize that although Jesus, I'd received Jesus as my savior and I never had a problem believing in God. That was never an issue for me. But um, uh, he wasn't my Lord. And so I went through a season of living for myself, prodigal son, and uh, went away from the Lord for, for that season, and then came back with a powerful encounter at college. 
So that was a little bit of my, my spiritual roots. Uh, I was in banking for 30 years. I was co-pastoring as well in London. My, so banking was my tent making. Sounds a bit strange, but it was. And uh, married to Jeannie. Had three wonderful children, Rebecca, Ben and Alex. And then in 2001, God clearly moved us to New York with the bank. And so I was there for two years. And then the bank purchased Household International. And they asked me to do the integration. So I moved to Chicago, lived on the North Shore, a place called Lake Forest. And then everything up until 2005 had been really fantastic. And then we'd had some, you know, ups and downs, every, you know, challenges with family, but nothing significant. It was nothing significant. Uh, generally, it had been going really, really well. And we had so much blessing from the Lord in every sense. And I said to Jeannie at the end of that period, I said, does life get any better than this? We were on the top of the mountain. And then shortly after that, the Lord did actually speak to me. He, he gave me a heads up that I was going to go through a period of, of brokenness. And so from there, from then 2005, it was like the story of Job. It seemed as though Satan had been released to attack us. And one thing after the other uh, went wrong. I came to the bottom of the valley. End of the year, on the 8th of November, 2005, our precious youngest son, Alex, he was just 17 years old. He took some marijuana with the boy at school. He'd been trying to help this boy. That was his heart. He wanted to help people, but made a bad mistake and became paranoid and ended up committing suicide. And our world just fell apart. It was just unbelievable pain and suffering. And Jeannie, my, my precious wife, we'd had such a beautiful marriage for 24 years or so. Um, the horrible thing with suicide is not just, it's not just the shock and the grief of losing someone, but it's the blame. And of course, Satan is known as the accuser of the brethren. The Lord warned me not to go down the, the, the blame and shame road, but Jeannie got sucked into it. And so she ended up hating herself. Why did why didn't we stop it? Hating me. Why did you bring us to America? Why did you bring us to Chicago? And hating God. You know, how could you allow this to happen? We'd laid our lives down as far as we knew everything, and and now this. And so um, our marriage nearly failed. It, it it was hanging on by a thread, and I went through quite honestly a nightmare. It was absolutely horrendous. Now in that in that time. I felt God calling me to step down from my banking career. I was, I was asked to lead Alpha USA. And so I knew God was in that at the time. So I did. And, I, and I, that's how I ended up serving in Alpha. I can't even begin to imagine the overwhelm of, of the, the pain and the grief that, that you and your wife were experiencing at that time. Hmm. And I, I met you shortly after, just a few years after, uh, yeah. at Alpha USA. And yes. uh, without knowing much of your story, something that always struck me was just how much you love Jesus and the joy that you have, which clearly was just a supernatural gift that the Lord had given you in that season. Yes. And that's, you know, we talked about uplifting faith. My story is a testimony to God's grace. Uh, it really is is uh, what it's all about because 
in my journey, I've come to realize that it's all God. You know, we live and move and have our being in him, from him and through him and to him are all things, Romans 11 and 36. I, I will quote scripture quite a bit because it's, it's yes, been the do. bedrock of my, of my journey is, is memorizing scripture. Since I had an encounter with God in 1980, so I came back to God through that encounter. And since then, I've loved scripture. And it's that discipline of memorizing scripture has been a lifesaver, quite honestly. God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit and all the Holy Spirit does. And the church, friends and family who have loved us and supported us and prayed for us. Those are the things that have enabled us to journey through. And it is a paradox because, as the Apostle Paul said, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And I do have, I've found that, that I, I, yes, I know the deepest pain and suffering. And yet I have this incredible joy that wells up from within. And that's God. It has to be God. It's not, yes. It can't be me because it doesn't make any sense. We went through a period, an eight-year period from Alex passing and the nightmare, those two-year nightmare of, of after that, Jeannie nearly died of a broken heart. She had her intestines knotted twice in that season. She had to have emergency surgery because of the grief. You know, it was because of the grief. Yes. We nearly had her um, put into a psychiatric hospital because she'd been saying, like Job, I wish I'd never been born. I'm going to take my life. And it was just a, a nightmare. But Jen, I learned so much in that time. Yeah. You know, Paul talked about the, the fellowship of his suffering. My habit was to get up in the middle of the night and go down to my study and I would weep until I had no more tears to cry. And I'd pour out my soul to the Lord. And early on, I'd, I'd say, why, Lord, why? And, and yeah. one of the things I've learned in that season was, you know, God's okay with us offloading our pain on him. Yes. And being honest, uh, you see that in with David in the Psalms, just pouring out your soul. And I, I believe God wants us to do that. He wants us to bear our soul with him, to, to allow him to know us intimately. He knows us anyway, but he wants us to open up in yeah. that sort of closeness of relationship where you just tell him how you're feeling and you share your pain. And I had three epiphanies in that season of going down into my study and weeping, often it would be for two hours at a time and then go back to bed and his grace would meet me. His love would be poured out into my heart again and again by the Holy Spirit. The first epiphany was one of God's grace and understanding a bit more the, the width and the length and the height and the depth of God's grace. Yes, it's ultimately the, the most important thing. It's saving grace, which we, yes. we talk about the life of Jesus given to us, taking our place, taking the punishment that we deserve so that we can come into relationship with God for eternity and our sins can, that barrier of our sins can be removed. That's saving grace. That's the most important. But actually grace, when you, when you boil it down, I've come to see that grace is the life of Jesus. And in John 16, 14, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine, that's his life, and make it known to you. So what, what the Holy Spirit does is literally give us the life of Jesus for the needs that we have in what we're going through. So I needed comfort at that time. He is the comfort of the Holy Spirit, of course. But I needed love, more and more love, which Romans 5.5 5 says the Holy Spirit pours that love into our hearts. Yes. 
Jesus can empathize with what I've been through. That's Hebrews 5. He talks about the empathy of Jesus because that empathy is, goes beyond compassion. It's, it's where you've walked the walk and you can speak, yeah, I know what you're going through because I've walked that same walk. And that's what Jesus can say of us. I, I've, yes. I've been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what it's like having Satan and, and the demons throwing everything at me. I know what it's like to face the world and all that the world can throw at, at, at us. And so he can give us what we need in the situation because he's been there. He knows it. And so I, I, I could see that grace was everything I need. It's Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Everything I need to do his will. And his will for me at that time was to keep loving Jeannie, which I was struggling with, I have to be honest, because she was hating me. She, she wanted to leave me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it was venom coming out you know or again and again why did you do that why did you do this and uh, on and on and on blaming me really for for alex's suicide it was all grief based she was in darkness two months after alex passed my sister passed she died of cancer and so it was grief upon grief a few years after that my brother died of cancer that's why it's like job it was just one thing after the other so I, I, the grace I could see that God was pouring in this love so that uh, I would get up in the morning and find that I had this fresh love in my heart mm. to love Jeannie again. And so I could see I needed strength for the day. I was serving an alpha. I needed to right. do my job in the day. I needed to care for, my, for Rebecca and for Ben and look after the household because Jeannie was in, in deep depression at this time. And that was God's grace. So what you yeah. saw of me and, and Alpha was, was God's grace just flowing. Yes, yeah. um, it was all him. And I knew where it was coming from. So I saw, I understood grace and such that I could say to anybody, look, if, if God can get, get us through all that we went through, he can do the same for you. Absolutely. You know, this is a great testimony. This is why I, one of the reasons I wrote Living Hope, a great story to say, whether it's a relationship issue whether it's a broken heart, whether you're struggling with grief or with work, whatever it might be, God's grace, the life of Jesus is there yes. for you. So one of my favorite scriptures at the time was, was that still is really, Hebrews 4, 16. Therefore we go boldly yes. to the throne of grace mm-hmm. to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. A beautiful yes. promise. Whatever you need, maybe you're feeling a bit down. Maybe you're feeling you lost your peace. Maybe you're struggling with health. It's all in Jesus. Yes. That's his grace made known to us by the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. So I understood Absolutely. grace. That was one of the epiphanies that really helped me that I knew I could go to this throne. And twice I said, to God, I can't do this anymore. My, my tank is empty. I feel totally broken. But Lord, if you want me to, I need more grace, please. Yes. And, and he poured it in again. I got up the next morning and I had more love for Jeannie. Mm. Amazing how, how it worked. The second epiphany was one of eternity. Ecclesiastes mm. 3.11, it talks about eternity being hidden in the heart of, of man. In other words, all of us, I believe every human being deep inside their hearts has an awareness that this life is not the end. There is more. Now, most people cover it over, cover it over. They don't want to think about it. And so, you, you know, the atheists will say, oh, no, we die and that's the end. 
But deep inside, there's a niggle that says, hmm, there's more, because he's hidden it in our hearts. And I think because my heart was broken, the eternity came to the fore, and it was like I saw eternity like never before. Now, I, as a believer, I believed in heaven, but I didn't really get it. I didn't really get it. You know, when Paul talks about this life being a, a, a vapor, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a breath. Relative mm-hmm. to eternity, it's a snap of a finger, it's a blink of an eye. Relative to eternity. And I saw that. Yeah. And I realized that what Jesus said, you know, what I, what I asked you to lay your life down here for me, I will return to you a hundredfold. In this life, and I believe that's his life, his grace coming to us, in this life, but also through eternity. Yeah. And I started to see that actually, you know, God wires us for reward and recognition. It's not selfish because in, in heaven, it won't be about us. <laughs> It'll right. all be about Jesus and serving him. But actually over a hundred times, it, it talks about crowns and rewards in heaven. You know, Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So how do you do that? Well, it's being faithful to the calling that God has given you. Yeah. For me at the time, well, for all Christians, it's about loving. He wants us to love, period. You know, that's the yes, great command yeah. to love. Love him right. and love others. And the great commission, which is to share him with other people. So those are the two givens for every believer. Right. But also every believer has a, has a unique work to do. Ephesians 2.10, you know, since the creation yes. of the world. He's prepared a specific work that only I can do, only only Jen can do, only whoever's listening. The only thing you can do is that specific work. And he wants us to be faithful to that work. In John 17, 4, Jesus said, I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Yes. <laughs> so we want to glorify Jesus? Yes. Do that work. Yeah, do that work. And so... I, I came to see that the, this whole thing of eternity and, and then I, you know, I come to realize this privilege of revealing Jesus. Cause when we go through hard times, his grace comes to us. We, we yes. are being sanctified, changed into the likeness of Jesus by what we go through. Then I started to understand why Paul and Peter and James all spoke about it being a privilege. Yeah. Philippians 1 29 Paul, Paul says it's a, it's a privilege. You've been given the privilege not only to believe in Christ, but also the privilege to suffer for him. Well, yeah. why is it a privilege? It's because you can experience the grace of God like never before. Yeah. You're desperate and mm-hmm. you're revealing more of Jesus in that. Consider it pure joy, my brother, when you go through various trials. Yes. Doesn't make any sense to the, to the flesh, does it? No sense no. at all. But spiritually, when you start to understand, okay, it's getting me to my goal to be more like Jesus, but also it's bringing rewards for eternity. It goes on forever. Yeah. <laughs> this life is just a flick of the fingers, but eternity goes on forever. You're building up treasure. And now you, oh, okay. Now I start to realize why they said it, they call it, since consider it pure joy, consider it a privilege. Doesn't make any sense to the world. It doesn't. No. But it does to the followers of Jesus who are interested in his glory and interested mm-hmm. in pleasing him. Yes. So I saw eternity. And the, and the third epiphany was I saw God's heart for the suffering. Because, you know, people struggle. When we were doing Alpha, Jen, I don't know if you remember, we used to do annual surveys. And mm. 
every year that the main reason that people didn't come to faith was the issue of suffering. If he's a loving God, why, why does he allow all this suffering? Mm-hmm. The main reason people lose their faith, um, if you remember the film, God's Not Dead, the professor, the reason he lost his faith was because God didn't heal his mother of cancer. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the main reason people lose their faith is suffering as well. So I came to see God's heart for the suffering. And it came about in a, in a, in a powerful way. One of these nights when I was weeping, I, I was down on my knees and just, just deep sobbing. And, and I felt an arm around my, my shoulders. And it was so real. Mm. I looked up to see who was there. I thought there was someone physically there. There wasn't anyone physically there, but I realized that actually it was Jesus. Mm. And I could see through the eyes of, my, of faith, I could see that, that he was, not only was he had his arm around me, but he was weeping with me. And through that experience, I came to see God's heart was so broken with all of the suffering in the world. He talks yeah. about in Genesis 6, he talks about God's heart was broken when he, when he saw all that was going on. And I saw that, that God... God's heart breaks. He weeps yes. for all the pain and all the suffering. It, it yes. breaks his heart. Well, then the, the next obvious question is, well, why doesn't he stop it all? <laughs> you know, if he's all powerful, why doesn't he stop it all? And, and the answer is, he is going to stop it all. And yes, he could, but he's given us this time now mm-hmm. of free will. Yeah. Because love has to have free will. You've got to have free. You can't have robots where every day is an opportunity for more people to come to receive Jesus and to be with God for eternity. Yes. There's this paradox that God's got. On the one hand, he's given us another day for salvation, salvation of souls. And on the other hand, every day breaks his heart because he sees it all. He sees the abuse going on. He sees the people who are starving. He sees the sick. He sees the lonely. All of these things he sees, and, and it, it breaks his heart. We see that with Jesus when he looked out over the crowds. You know, it would move him. Uh, it's not how God wanted it in the first place. He gave us the choice early on, and we know what happened. We talk about the fall. We know, right. you know there's disorder in the world because it's, the world is not in a place that it should be with God at the center. Man's at the center, and that doesn't work. So I saw the suffering um, of God, and and that was a big part of that led us to start what we're doing now, awakening to God ministry. But I'd always had a heart for the lost and church, awake church, you know, awaken. Why are we still here? Because we're God's hands and feet to reach yes. the lost, the people yes. who are separated from God for eternity. Mm-hmm. We're told in one Peter, God doesn't want anyone to perish. Two Peter, sorry, God's not slow concerning His promises. I think it's two bit of three nine. But, but, but patient, not wanting anyone to perish. So not every day anyone. is another opportunity. You know, the, the epiphanies that the Lord gave you are, you know, about his grace and about eternity and then yes. his heart, his yes. heart, yes. Uh, how important that is because we aren't guaranteed to have a comfortable life. No. Not at all. And yet no. we, we're guaranteed to go through some degree of suffering in this life. Yeah. And, yes. and with that, we, we are guaranteed that if we go to him, we'll receive his comfort. 
Yeah. So it's, yes. you know, a lot of times we lean towards being comfortable, but there is nothing like the comfort of, of the Holy Spirit in those moments. Yes. And yet it means being honest. Like you said, yes. it means being honest and acknowledging our need of a savior, yes. acknowledging our need of comfort in our pain. Yes. And so when you consider how the Lord spoke to you so powerfully in that season, when you would go down to your study to, to pray, yes, it was his meeting you in the moment and also preparing you for the next uh, yeah. kind of phase, so to speak, of your, yes. your life and your own personal suffering and, yes. and also your ministry. And talk a little bit about the transition as you move from Alpha to, to this new ministry you have and, and, and what's caused actually how the Lord led you through that, that journey. Yes, sure. Well, you're absolutely right about about the suffering and it's it's you know in in western christianities christianity so much is about the crown and and that is good but there's also the cross and actually it's through the cross that leads to the crown um in romans 8 verse 17 how he promises us to enjoy his glory if it says we also go through his suffering right you know, our mindset so often is influenced by culture, which is, you know, you want a quick solution. You want to get to have the, the promise, you know, living for the promise of, of prosperity and everything else. Yes. And as Christians, you know, our life is not in possessions. Our life is in Jesus. And the truth is, in John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you will have oh. trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So, one of the sayings we have with our with a new book, Living Hope, is that, that suffering is a fact of life and yes. no one escapes it. No one escapes it. But we're not taught how to journey through it. And so that's one of the things I do through the book is to help people understand how to journey through the suffering. Yeah. So my, sis, my sister had passed, my brother had passed, Virginia's nephew died in a car accident. And then getting to the end of the eight years period, something unbelievable happened so our beautiful daughter rebecca she was our eldest child and she was a saint did you ever meet Re rebecca jen yes i remember working yeah. with rebecca and she had such a joy so similar to yes. you just a joy yeah. and a love for jesus yeah yes she was she was an angel and, and was so instrumental in genie coming out of her darkness mm. and she did she she came through that's a whole story in itself but bit by bit she came she surfaced Mm. and our love was restored and she was serving the Lord with me again and we would do alpha things again together ministering together again amazing and Rebecca she, she did an MBA when she was 25 could have gone into the corporate world but she was so broken-hearted by her younger brother passing that she couldn't bear the thought of a young person dying without knowing Jesus and so she came to work with us at alpha and she became the national director for alpha youth which is amazing uh, Rebecca and I were down in Southern California in May of 2014. Um, I had to go to a conference, Alpha conference actually in, in the UK in London with Jeannie. I, she stayed on down there. She had some further meetings. She went back to um, our home. She was living with us in Lake Forest. And then the unimaginable, unbelievable tragedy was that she went for a run on the 8th of May and went back down to Lake Michigan to cool off. It was a very hot day. 
took her shoes and socks off. And we're not sure exactly what happened. We knew she had blood sugar issues. We believe she fainted down there and fell into the lake um, and couldn't get out where she'd fallen in and tried to swim around to a boat ramp. There were some witnesses down there to a boat ramp. And the water was, it was like 37 degrees after a really cold winter. And um, she ended up drowning. So uh, I, there's not words to describe the pain that we, we went through. We were in the UK at the time. I got this phone call from a police officer. Jeannie was with her mum. I was with my mum. It came through and it was bizarre conversation. Uh, ended up with a, a, a lady's drowned in Lake Michigan and we believe it's your daughter. So I'm on the other side, you know, 5,000 miles away and I'm hearing this and and then I had to identify, they sent a photograph. It was just horrendous. Mm. I didn't tell Jeannie that night. I went through the next morning and it was, it was just, it was just horrible. The, the screaming and the pain and everything else. So Jeannie, Jeannie decided she realized she couldn't go on. Um, she had, she had sort of had eight years of surfacing from Alex and was suicidal then. And now Rebecca, our beautiful Rebecca has gone and she decided to take her life. So she went up to Rebecca's room and she wasn't going to come out. And she went into that room and I saw her going up. I was downstairs and she was like a shell at that time. She, she hardly spoke. She was just, it's almost like she'd gone. She came downstairs, Jen, and literally her face shone. Mm-hmm. Her face was shining like, like Moses up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I jumped up. I said, Jeannie, what's happened to you? And I could see her, her eyes were sparkling. And she described this encounter when she went into this room, God turned up in that room. It was like a portal into heaven, mm. so to speak, because she said she, she was aware of Rebecca and Alex behind her in the room. She didn't turn because she was so taken up with who, with who, was, who was in front of her. Yeah. She didn't see any physical being, but it was just this light. And she said the atmosphere completely changed. And she could breathe. She described it. I could breathe for the first time. And uh, it was just full of love and full of joy. And the Lord spoke various things to her. And one of the things he said was so bizarre. He said, Jeannie, your grief is not your own. Your, your grief is not your own. Bizarre, really, when you think about it. So she came down and told me this. Two other friends saw her that day. They said exactly the same thing as I said. Jeannie, what's happened to you? So it was like three witnesses. Wow. And she was completely transformed. She came out of this shell of what it was, and she was a new person. And so then we're asking, oh, okay, Lord, this is bizarre what's happened to us. This, this cup you've given us is really bitter. We, we don't like it. You know, we don't never have chosen this. But mm-hmm. if this is our calling, we're just, we hold our hands open and say, Lord, what do you want to do with this, this pain mm-hmm. and this suffering, this brokenness? And we realized he was calling us through a number of words we had to minister to the suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, with the comfort wherewith you've been comforted, you can comfort others. Yeah. In other words, God put something in us that we can now empathize with anyone who's suffering because of what we went through. 
And uh, Isaiah 61, 1 to 4 became the founding scriptures of, of our ministry, awakening to God. Why awakening to God? Because uh, our ultimate prayer is that people would awaken. Christians, non-Christians would awaken to God's incredible love. Yes. Uh, as we had experienced with this amazing, incredible love of, of God for each one of us. And then also an awakening to his calling on our lives. Yes. Uh, especially for believers that don't waste time. Just mm -hmm. give yourself fully to the work that God's given to you. Right. One, to love. Secondly, to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus. But then whatever specific thing, and it may yes. be doing a podcast, it may be working in a bank, it may be being a teacher, it could be right. in full-time ministry in a church. It doesn't matter. God chose all sorts of people to follow him, didn't he, with his, yes. with his disciples. The important thing is you're doing what he's planned for you to do from the creation of the universe. Yes. And so we had, over a period between May and October of that year, 2014, we had literally 18 different words from the Lord. Mm. Um, people had visions, they had dreams, they had specific scriptures. And, and it all pointed to the fact I needed to step down from Alpha and start yeah. this new ministry. So that was the birthing of it. We birthed it then and we started the ministry at the end of 2014. And I left Alpha then and, and took up this new role with Awakening to God Ministries. And we've been doing that ever since. Yes. And it's, it's powerful to see the, the different um, parts of the journey and how as painful, I can't even begin to imagine the pain that you have experienced. And, and yet it seems that just as painful as it has been, it's just as powerful as the Lord's grace and love has been in, yes. in your life. Yes. And that, that's it. You're exactly right. It, it's, the, it's a testimony to his grace. I know it's not, nothing of me because I know where I've been. You know, I know how broken uh, I have been. I am in a certain extent. And I've come to see as I walked on with Jesus, I've come to see that actually it's all him, really, when you boil it mm -hmm. all down. He gives you the grace. He gives you the abilities, the skills. Uh, it gives you your story, your backgrounds. One of the things I do in Living Hope, the book, is helping people to find their purpose. And I, I talk about seasons in our lives. Every yes. season, from your conception to the family you were brought up in, your experiences, your gifts, your abilities, everything is part of this wonderful tapestry that God's weaving into your life for his calling upon you. Yes. Uh, it all, it's all important, good things and bad things. I talk mm -hmm. about the golden threads and the darker thread for it. He weaves it together for a reason, for a purpose. And mm -hmm. so when you boil it down, you see, okay, it's all you, Lord. There's really two things you're left for you. One is to say, yes, uh, I would suggest. <laughs> I probably could say no, but that would be very unwise is mm. to say yes. And the other thing is to say thank you for yes. life. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for all that you've build into me. Thank you for allowing me to be a co-worker with you in all that you're doing, Lord, and, and use it now, uh, yes. this vessel, <laughs> this <Yes>. tent. <laughs> Paul calls it a tent, this tent. We use it, Lord, and that's all, all we want to live for now, the rest of our lives. It's just, uh, as always, uh, you know, since I had the encounter in 1980, yes. is to say, Lord, 
use me, use you, you, whatever you want. It's your will. That's, and that's what Jesus, he showed us so many times. He said, it's not my will. It's, 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 it's God's will. Yes. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. My food is to do his will. That's what every believer should be. It's all about him and what he wants. It's profound to see the different seasons of awakenings in, in, yes. in your life. When you consider even from a young child and your prodigal experience and yes. your, your ministry early on in the UK and, and how he's just opened your eyes to different aspects of who yes. he is and yes. his heart and, yes. and you're kind of being awakened to who yeah. he is in, in the process. Yeah. And you, right. you had another sort of awakening just last year that, <laughs> I, uh, I that you share a little bit about in your book, but I wonder if you would, you would touch on. Um, yes, our... yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, it's bizarre and you, you have to just step back and say, okay, Lord, <laughs> So pe- people had, had said to me, Joe, would you like a modern day Job? And yeah, we'd, we'd had so much grief and, and pain and suffering. And in 2019, Gina and I were talking about this and we were saying, well, yeah, but Job lost, lost his, all his possessions as well. And he lost his, his health as well. You know, should, I think we've had enough on the, on the journey of suffering. <laughs> But no, so in 2019, bizarre things happened with our finances. So I'd had some savings from my time in the bank and everything. We bought a house in Lake Forest and we'd put most of our savings in there and we had a good chunk of equity in there. And the plan was to sell it and release the equity at the right time. And uh, we were renting our home there. um, And from the rent we were being able to rent down in Malibu. We'd moved to Malibu. The Lord had moved us down there, which is a whole other story. And um, suddenly we're told that the house prices in Malibu had plummeted. And yet all the other areas in, in the North shore of Chicago were red hot. It really bizarre. Suddenly all our equity's gone. Now I did have some other savings, not a lot, but some, and I put it, invested it in a friend's business. He had a very good residential business. And it was a very good business. And he was a believer. He was a partner with us in ATG. He was, he was serving God. Suddenly we're told that he's made some bad decisions, financial mm-hmm. decisions, and being investigated by the FSA. And then suddenly we're told that they've, they've frozen all the assets, including our savings. So now suddenly we've got no, no money. And then on top of that, Gina had always been very healthy, I'd been an athlete earlier as a young man. She'd been a ballerina. We'd never had any health issues apart from the double knotting in her intestines. Sure. We hardly ever went to the doctors. We did have insurance. At Alpha, we had health insurance. And when I was in banking, I had health insurance. But when we got down there and we were just starting off our ministry, it was $1,500 for a monthly premium. And we just couldn't justify it. Sure. We could get any emergencies done in the UK. And I was on a, one of these uh, longevity studies where they gave me an annual, a very, mm. very thorough annual physical. So we thought we were fine. I was going to get some catastrophic suffering. And then on, on October the 26th, 2019, totally out of the blue, no, no real warning, I had a cardiac arrest. Now, just a difference between a cardiac arrest and a heart attack. Heart attack, normally your heart's still beating. It's just struggling for whatever reason. Cardiac arrest is when your heart stops completely. Mm. 
And that's what happened to me in the middle of the night. Amazingly, it just so happened that I was going to watch a rugby game. It was a semi-final of the World Cup. England were playing New Zealand. And I went round to my friend's house. There were several people there who I knew, friends of mine. And England scored early on. They looked over to me, expecting me to be jumping all over the place. And I was slumped in my chair. Mm. They thought it was a seizure. And then one of the young guys there said, he said, and they said, they rang 911 and said, oh, this guy's having a seizure, which isn't high priority. And then one of the guys said, no, no, actually, it's, he looked it up on Google. He said, it's, that, that's a cardiac arrest, which mm. is top priority. So the stats are in the States, 395,000 people die of a cardiac arrest outside of a hospital every year. And of those, uh, 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 only 6% survive. And then of those who, who do survive, 90% have brain damage, serious brain damage. So I'm outside of a hospital. I have this massive cardiac arrest. None of them knew in the room how to do CPR. And suddenly, one of my, these, my the spiritual son of mine, he gets this download from God. I need, he needed to start pumping my chest. He had this download, do 30 pumps in his chest, two mouth to mouth, and do that rhythm. So he'd started, they started doing it, got me on the ground, did that. Ten minutes later, the first responders came along. They were doing electric shocks to my heart. They did six to seven of those. Nothing. Before the first responders came, in the house was an ex-former nurse. She was asleep. They woke her up, got her downstairs, and she checked me out. There was no pulse, no breathing. She said, I'm sorry, he's, he's gone. First responders, they did all these electric shocks, couldn't revive me. Well, two of these, these two young guys who are like spiritual sons to me, they, they, they begged the guys, don't stop, please keep going. So they did another electric shock and they found a heartbeat. Mm. I was rushed to UCLA hospital and well, I was revived. No brain damage. Absolute miracle. They always said the, the, the medics, the first responders, they said this a miracle. You know? So I'm lying in the ICU, wires all over me. And I'm thinking, Lord, why am I still here? <laughs> yeah. why, why am I still here? And uh, what I felt the Lord tell me was that I needed to, to share the treasures that he'd given me in the darkness mm. in those eight years of catastrophic suffering. And since then as well, I needed mm-hmm. to share that. So now, you know, talking about Job, so it, when I was trying to recover from my cardiac arrest, I was having these debt collectors ringing me up. Oh <laughs> was, it was bizarre. Yeah. One time I was just, just going into a rehab session. You don't need stress when you're trying to recover. Exactly. Heart, <laughs> you know, your heart failed. And this guy's telling me, we're going to foreclose on your house and everything else. And I had to laugh internally. Yeah. I had to laugh because I thought, I know exactly what's going on here. Mm. Satan's trying to finish me off. You know, when you see the story of Job, the end goal was to, he wanted Job to curse God and die. Yeah. And he, he didn't. He refused. He wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And by God's grace, I, I didn't ever in that, in that time. So, but now I can say to people who have lost he- their health, I know what it's like. Six weeks after that, Jeannie was diagnosed with bladder cancer. Mm. I mean, just one after the other. She's, over the last 18 months, she's been struggling with it. But it's not got us down. She's full of joy as well and love. It's God's grace. Yes. This yes. is God's grace. And so I wrote this book, Living Hope, 
to share the story and to, to say to folks, you know, your faith is most precious to you. Your faith enables you to see beyond the here and now. Your faith doesn't guarantee you're going to have an easy life. If anyone tells you that, mm-hmm. they're not reading the Bible. You won't find anybody in the Bible who didn't suffer, <laughs> who God exactly. used. Yes, yes. And the very core of our Christian faith is the cross, which was the most gruesome thing that ever happened on this mm-hmm. earth. Yes. The perfect son of God being tortured to death in front of his mother. Gruesome, so painful. And yet out of it came the salvation <laughs> He made a way for the salvation of the world. So look at anybody through the Bible. Joseph, Job, Abraham, uh, Moses, Peter. Everybody went through this this season of of suffering because through it, God glorifies his name. And and so that's when you start to realize that the cross is part of our journey, guys. Yes. And embrace it. Um, by his grace, as you said earlier on, Janice, by his grace, it is sufficient for you. Yes. And you will experience a life of Jesus you would never have experienced before. So you can journey through it with love, with peace, and with joy. Gerard, I am overwhelmed when I think of just the Lord's faithfulness and, and goodness in and through you and Jeannie and how he has met you in such powerful ways and and equipped you to minister to countless people. And now as a result of, of your book, many more can hear this story of, of hope and of faith and awakening. Yes. And your book is available now. Where will people find it? So if you go to Amazon, it's Living Hope. Gerard Long probably put my name in as well because there's songs called Living Hope and other things. And yeah, you can get it now. Please do and share it with others. Our heart is just, we want to get this message out because it's a story about his grace. And uh, please do a review for us because we we understand how this process works. Mm -hmm. Have good reviews and you get enough of them. Amazon start telling other people. That's what we want. So do the reviews. They can do that. They can go on to our our website, um, which is awakeningtogod.org. And then we're on all the social media channels from Facebook to Instagram, to Pinterest, to LinkedIn. We have a YouTube channel where we've got our first song that we've released to read, to help the suffering. Mm. And um, we've got some marriage course material on there as well. In in other words, every area that Satan attacked us. Yes. Yes. By God's grace, we're turning it around to kick him in the teeth. Mm, I use that phrase because that was a phrase that God gave Jeannie when the was a, it was a turning point on her grief after yes. Alex was to, to realize that uh, like, with, like with Joseph, he said to his brothers, you intended this for evil. God intended it for good, for, good, for the yes. saving of many lives. And yes. so whatever bad things happen in our lives, God's intent is to turn it around. He wants to comfort you. He wants to restore you. But the yes. third phase is 2 Corinthians 2.14. He wants you to triumph. In other words, to turn it around to help other people. Amen. Amen. Gerard, we we close our time on the Mission Uplift podcast with just a time of prayer, lifting up the name of Jesus and lifting up our, our listeners in prayer. And I wonder if you would take a few moments to pray for those who are listening today. I'd be pleased to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Father, we, we thank you once more for Jesus, uh, our yes. Savior, uh, the lover of our soul. 
uh, our friend, our best friend. Uh, thank you for the Holy Spirit who comes to comfort us and reveal Jesus to us. Thank you for your word, your living and active word, which is so powerful in our lives. And Father, I want to pray for everyone who hears this podcast, Lord, that they would be strengthened by the power of your Holy Spirit in their inner being, that they can keep their eyes on Jesus, walk by faith. Lord, you've said that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And Lord, in trusting you and holding to your promises, they would see your grace flowing through them, touching them, touching others, bringing in your kingdom. Uh, so Lord, I pray that you would do that and just that they would know more of your love in the midst of it and that they would be courageous. Give us all courage. Lord, we need courage to say yes to you and to go forward in whatever you've called us to do. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. 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 Gerard, thank you for taking the time out of your, your day to, to share a part of your story and to lift up the name of Jesus. And I know that I'm encouraged listening to your, to your story today. And I know that many others will be as well. And I will continue to pray for you and Jeannie and for your ministry and for your book. And I look forward to seeing how the Lord will, will use that for his glory as well. Great. Well, Jane, thank you. It's been, it's been a blessing to me too to be with you. Thank you. Friends, I am blown away by the Lord's grace in Gerard and Jeannie's lives. I encourage you to read his book, Living Hope and to support Gerard and Jeannie and Awakening to God Ministries. Lift them up in prayer. Follow and subscribe to Awakening to God Ministries online. Send a note of encouragement. And if you're able, consider contributing financially to the work God is doing through them. Our mission here is to uplift the uplifters. Please take a few moments to encourage Jeannie and Gerard, who are true uplifters in the kingdom of God. Though we all have different stories, we will all face suffering of some sort in this life. And we all have the opportunity to experience God's love and grace. The same love and grace that Gerard experienced and shares is the same love and grace available to you as well. Take a few moments to reflect on the love and grace of Jesus in your own life. And consider sharing this episode with someone who needs to hear the message of uplifting faith. And if you don't know Jesus personally, I pray that you would experience his abounding love and his amazing grace. As always, I am so grateful that you would take the time to stop by and listen to the Mission Uplift podcast. Our next episode will include an important announcement, update, and piece of information. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on what's next. And if any of our interviews or testimonies here have been a blessing to you, we would love it if you'd leave a review so more people can hear these uplifting messages. See you soon.